2: Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Dripping in sex appeal. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Here's a 3-2. Swing and a ball hammer. Left field. Way back there. On its way. Out of here. Gene Segura. It's a three-run homer, and the American League has jumped on top. It is 5-2. He got all of it into the bullpen in left field. Pitch to Springer. He drives one right field. Kane going back. Kane looking. And that's gone. Back to back. Astros-Homers. American League has added another, and it is to 7-5. All
1: right, that, that game was pretty fun. Ten home runs last night. You had all kinds of big name: Max Scherzer, Chris Sale, you know, for what baseball is right now. Home runs and big-time strikeout pitchers. Like, yeah, it was very fitting. It was, it was representative of what baseball is right now. Mm-hmm. So as we sit here and kind of wrestle between fixing baseball, that's one of the main themes of our show I feel like this year, and uh, and enjoying baseball because we love baseball, when you rack your brain and think back to your favorite all-star games, your favorite Major League Baseball all-star games, mm-hmm. which ones stand out to you? Which ones Because sometimes they jumble up together for me, but there are – Two or three, for sure, from my youthish time. Yes, exactly. That really, really stand out. Let's let's start with you, though. What, All right. What really stands out to you?
0: I, I thought that this might take some time, and and actually, it came very quick, uh, quickly to me. Number five. So I've got a uh, top five. Number five on my list: the first All Star game I ever sat down and watched as a kid, in nineteen seventy eight, San Diego Stadium, National League won seven to three. Uh, that was cruz I believe, last. All-Star game as a twin, and if Mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken, he had two triples. But that was my first All-Star game. And at that time, at eight, that is so cool. Like, you see all these guys playing together for the first time. So that's the fifth one on my list. Number four on my list was actually the Coomer game, but not because of Ron. 1999, uh, Fenway Park, uh, Teddy Ball game was was brought out in the golf cart for that. And to see all those players like Gwynn and guys like that just flock to him was really really cool and that's also the game that pedro started and struck out um he pitched two innings in that game and he struck out uh, five guys yeah including the side in the first he struck out larkin walker and salsa and then came back in the second and struck out mcguire and bagwell so that's number four on my okay. list number three on my list is the one that we went to 2014 target field uh five three american league won that game Mike Trout MVP of that game and that's the first time I saw uh that I saw Trout play and and from watching him in person r- realized how great he was. If you recall early on in that game, it might have been the first actually, he hit a triple. And he ran the bases uh for a big guy. I'm like, "Oh my gosh." Uh but that game was so well done. Target field was so perfect. So that's number 3 on my list. Number two on my list is the first All-Star game I actually went to. 1980, my dad took me to Dodger Stadium. Really? To see the uh, National League win 4-2. The MVP of that game, Ken Griffey Sr. Wow. So that was really, really cool. And then uh, the top one on my list is actually the 1979 All-Star game in the Kingdom. And that, that game is famous for being the one where Dave Parker... Um, throws out Brian Downing at home plate. Gary Carter blocked the plate, did a great job. But, and if I believe Smalley started that game for the American League because he had a great first half at shortstop. So that's my top one. So 79 80, 2014 at Target Field, 99 at Fenway Park, 1978, uh, San Diego Stadium at the time is five. I went to the 85 game at the Metrodome. It was awful.
1: Yeah, what was that like? It was so was boring. There, was there excitement building up to that game? Yes, there was, and that's a like relatively new stadium. And... Yep, yep. And that that was uh, also
0: the the afternoon before that game. I think was the first ever home run derby. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that game itself was six to one National League. It was boring. Was
1: it a packed house? Yeah. And, yeah. you, and you were that you said you and I there was there that? okay left
0: field seats but that game that game had nothing to it yeah that game had nothing to to it
1: because the the all-star game at Target Field was very festive yeah it was, and was all kinds so of fun well things. done yeah trout Jeter. and a fun game uh
0: from but from 1963 to 82 the national League in all-star games 19 and one that's amazing
1: and now from
0: 97 to now American League. Nineteen and three.
1: Yeah. The and the American League Completely reversed. Between nineteen ninety seven and two thousand nine, the American League didn't lose an all-star game. Yep. Although they, they tied one. They
0: lost three consecutive, but I but that game when when I was a kid, the American League could not win.
1: Yeah. And I think part of it too is just the American League is more offensive and I don't know. But it could just be random too, because both obviously like Pitchers are lights out on both sides. I'm going to give you, we overlap on a couple. We overlap on 1999 for sure. Uh-huh. And now that we look back, like in that moment, everything you said about the top players in the game in 1999 gravitating toward Ted Williams, this legend, but the main embrace was fraudulent because the main embrace was Ted Williams and Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire just broke the major league home run record <laughs> the year before, hit 70 home runs and the, and the embrace, it was kind of a passing of the legendary torch, right? Ted Williams, old-school generation, passing this power torch to Mark McGuire. And a few years later, we found out that Mark McGuire was uh, definitely aided by some substances. And Sammy Sosa was part of that, too. Sammy Sosa was at the 1999 All-Star Game, right? Yep. Um, So, uh, And then I would say, I'm going to add two more. Mm -hmm. One of them you're going to laugh at. The other one, I'm actually surprised it didn't make your list. The 2003 All-Star Game is one of my favorites. That was the first year where they branded it this one matters cuz 2002 was the tie. Yes. And it was an amazing game. The American League was going into the night actually was they were going the American League batted last. So the American League went into the bottom of the 8th inning down by a couple runs against Eric Gagné who at the time again, fraudulent, the guy was on steroids, but Eric Gagné was this crazy lights out reliever at the time intimidating the goggles, right the big beard and Hank Blaylock hit a two-run bomb off of him. To put the American League up going into the ninth inning yep and uh, and they wind up closing it out and so kind of the randomness of Hank Blaylock as a sub and he it, it, Hank Blaylock and Mark Teixeira were these cornerstone corner infielders these young guys that were going to carry the Rangers for the next generation and as it winds up Teixeira gets traded he plays mostly for the Yankees and Blaylock kind of fizzled and really did nothing I think he had back problems and like that all-star game moment was sort of the end for Hank Blaylock's memorable about- career. But for some reason, that game mattering in that moment and, and Blaylock coming through in the bottom of the eighth inning with a big home run. But for me, far and away, my favorite All-Star game, and part of it's just when I was born in the mid-80s, and so I started really getting into All-Star games as a kid in the mid mid to early 90s. Sure. The 1993 game, which not only included MVP Kirby Puckett, mm-hmm. who had a couple hits and I think had a game-winning hit in that game, but that's the game where John Cruck put his helmet on backwards and was scared to death to stand in the box against Randy Johnson. Oh yeah, I remember that. So I, I believe both Camden those Camden Yards, things, Unless right. I'm misremembering Andy Pettit's style here, I believe both those things happened in the same game at Camden Yards. I, I think you're right. Yeah. So Randy Johnson intimidating left-hander John Cruck scared for his life and then Kirby Puckett coming through late in the game a couple of hits and winning the MVP for that game. Mark Langston won that that game for the for the AL. Wow.
0: Terry Mulholland lost it for the oh, National League. Oh,
1: God. How about that blast from the past? Taylor, ter, uh, Terry Mullet Holland is yep. what they should have called him. Uh, one thing, and they're showing highlights of the game here on MLB Network. One thing I do like, I do like that baseball is making an effort. They're miking up players, right? Okay, Mike Trout's got a microphone and an earpiece on in the middle of the inning. And I, I know like Roycey was tweeting about it being lame. I think it's cool. Let's try and Let's try and draw out some personality. Vendor was and,
0: fantastic, too. Dory's awesome. He was really good.
1: And then these guys have their phones in their pockets, yeah. like Machado and Verlander. Yeah. And they're out there taking pictures during the game and between innings, doing selfies. Stuff, yeah. It's fun. But that's what baseball wants, right? It's fun, yeah. Have more fun. Loosen it up. Flip the bat. I think it's pretty fun. They did a good job with it last night, even though nobody under the age of 40 is really... Hooked on the product. (laughs) I thought it was a good
0: idea, though. At least it gives you when they're talking to guys in game, it gives you a feel for personalities. Yeah, because I realize this. I don't know guys at all. Like I got no feel in NBA. Mm -hmm. You got a feel sometimes, but when it comes to baseball stars, I've got no feel for this. Yeah, (laughs) Lindor. I had no idea he was funny. He he's a good guy, or or he seems to be. My idea for next year, though. How about this one? Fox Sports North booth. Bramer, J. Cave. What? J. Cave wears a mic. So instead of Burt. Oh, you're not it, talking about the All Star. No, no, no. I'm saying Fox Sports North. Oh, okay. Let's mic
1: up. Let's, let's I thought have... you meant Dick Bramer doing the All Star game. No, no, I was no, like, no. I don't know. Man.
0: No, Dick Bramer and like a J. Cave. Pick the most articulate, fun twin and mic him up and just have him work. Well, they they do that during spring training, right? right. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they did that during spring training. I think in baseball, I think we're get, we're getting to to the point now where it's feasible. If you're playing right field, if you're playing right field and you're a young guy and so you're not like, I can't do that, think about it.
1: It makes some sense. It would get really tedious on a Tuesday night in June though, and it's some like Jake Cave. You want Jake Cave? No, I was Cave? kidding okay. about Jake Cave. <laughs> okay. but, I, but, you know, it, it could be Doge if Doge stayed. Mike him up, stick him at second base. How much are those really, other than just the novelty of it? I think it, for me, it's the novelty. Oh, this is this is unique and this is interesting is it really that much different than the between innings or the between quarters interviews between sideline reporter? And I think when they run the manager out between innings for two minutes and they answer a couple of easy questions, I think it's
0: different in the sense, if you're playing outfield, especially, and you're standing there and, and observing the game, if you're an articulate type of person and you're, you're being asked questions, I think you seem to, to relax enough to give
1: answers that are, that can be, can be pretty good. It felt like someone, either, well, it's possible Mike Trout just heard Rob Manfred's comments because it felt like he was going out of his way to be a little edgy and show some personality. He told Joe Buck and, that's a bad question. Yeah, Joe Buck asked him kind of a lazy, weird question. He's like, that's a dumb question, Joe. That's a dumb question. It was almost like he was forcing personality. But the best was, was it two years ago, Bryce Harper was in right field and he was mic'd up and he starts asking Joe about the Dallas Cowboys yep, I and that. Des Bryant and what's going to happen with the contract, what do you think about the Cowboys? And they start talking football. That was fun. And it was great. That was cool. It's better than like... You know, Mike Trout's it, my, yeah, it's just a lot of fun hanging out with the boys and just coming up with interesting things to talk about. Put their personalities on display. Could yep. be that. Plus, you'd actually get maybe some
3: actual baseball stuff. Talk to an outfielder, you know, right field. Hey, saw you just move five uh, five steps to the left on this guy coming up to the plate. What's the reasoning behind that? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, you
1: could, you know, yeah. get actual inner ball stuff. Why not? He says, I just have to go to the bathroom and I'm tap dancing. <laughs> well, really then you I have a reason for it. I think I just peed a little, actually. Joe, i got to (laughs) go. Electrocute yourself with the mic. Uh, Dan Hayes will join us in about 15 or 20 minutes to talk Twins. And uh, after this Manny Machado move went down, well, it's going down. I don't know if went is the right way, but it's going down. He's going to the Dodgers. And so the teams that missed out on him, could they be more interested in Dozier and Escobar? We'll talk to Dan Hayes about that. And uh, Doogie with a scoop session. In about 45 minutes, Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And we're out. On
2: 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? <laughs> it's pretty cool, I guess. On
1: 1500 ESPN.
2: You like that? You like that?
1: We, we've done some clicking around the City Pages story about Kirk Cousins and the the rock collection, if you will, where he takes a rock out of this tube every month, and he has enough rocks in the tube to last until he's ninety years old. Yep. Yep. I was going to read from the story, and then there's another link, and we clicked on this other link. So many things about Kirk Cousins that we're learning. He's an interesting guy. Yeah, I think
0: that's an understatement.
1: Like, there's a story. There's a there's another story on Deadspin where. They try to figure out what he's grilling. Have you seen these stories? Yes. That's from a month or so ago when, when we thought... Yeah, it's like Memorial Day weekend.
0: When we didn't think that steaks look like steaks, so we hypothesized that they were something else. And then Kirk came back and said, no, there's steaks and training camp's going to start soon, so calm down. There'll be plenty to talk about. All
1: right, well, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this, because it's an article with from Deadspin. What the bleep is Kirk Cousins grilling? And it's it's an in, independence... Or no, It's uh, I think it's Memorial Day weekend, Whatever. And he is... Oh, there's two of them. There's one from Memorial Day and maybe one from the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. And it's it's an open grill with some water in the background. It's some nice little outdoor watery setting. And there's eight lumps of meat, perfectly smooth and featureless lumps that Cousins is bringing off the grill without so much as a single grill mark offending their brown surfaces. Yep. Are these densely packed burgers? Are they... Miss happen unidentifiable organs, literal clay pigeons. And if you look at the photos, it's like you don't know what you don't know if it's or is it vegan chicken? It looks odd. Is it a steak? It looks. It does not look like (laughs) it it would be easily
0: identifiable. I
1: think. No, you're spot on. I couldn't tell what it was. Yeah, I couldn't. And then there's another one where he's got a foil boat with chunks of meat. Instead of putting the meat on the grill, he's got like these chunks of meat that you don't know what they are. You know, is it lamb? Is it steak? Right. Is it something vegan? And instead of putting him on the actual grill, he's got him in these foil boats. And Deadspin is trying to figure out what is he doing on this grill. So I don't know. He, he's an interesting guy. But here's the article from City Pages. Uh, We're aware of the 84 million dollar quarterback being a fiery, churchy, earnest, and creed loving guy. We continue to glean insight from his Instagram account, which was uh, which has attracted a confused national audience. Like, what the hell is he grilling? Uh, Kirk, it seems, is normie to the core, but something about him is a little peculiar. So we clicked on the Creed link. Apparently, he loves the band Creed. Yeah, okay. And he tweeted something (laughs) on May 19th of 2016 when he was with Washington. Today, the Creed Greatest Hits album was played during the team lift. Today was a good day. (laughs) Okay,
0: this is... I'm souring. Creed! I'm souring on Kirk. Crack it up! of joy. Oh, this is awful.
1: Come on, Judd. Yes. Oh. Rock. Oh, Scott Stapp. How can you not love Scott Stapp?
0: Sounds
3: like he gargled with nails. It sounds like what? It sounds like he gargled with nails.
1: Really? Rock it now, Jud. Come on. Jud, did you ever get into Creed in no, the late 90s? No. Not even for a little bit. Not even for a second. I feel like.
0: No. <laughs> Are you kidding me?
1: Okay, can I ask a question it about like Scott's sounds like
0: really dad. bad Pearl Jam. He sounds, sounds like exactly
1: like... Uh, better, better, Eddie, Eddie yeah, better, yeah. Ed- yeah. Eddie better. but it sounds like it's, it's a bad Pearl Jam ripoff. But it's a... Uh, I'm trying to figure out what, what's up with his voice 20 what years mean? later here. It's like he has a sock stuffed in his throat. Oh, yeah. And his mouth, it's like that, bo- that game where you put the plastic thing in your mouth. Like you can only <laughs> A lot of work. But now that I think about it, if you were to ask me everything you know about Kirk Cousins on the surface, and he, he hasn't even played in the game yet for the Vikings, but everything you know about him so far, or everything you think about him, what would you guess his favorite band is? It wouldn't be that hard to guess Creed, would it?
0: Well they make it Pearl Jam. If you're gonna like Creed, like Pearl Jam, <laughs> I feel
3: I feel less offended if you like Pearl Jam. This is really garbage to me. I'm not gonna throw stones. I owned at least one Creed album. I did too. Maybe more. Okay. I don't I remember. Did too. Then you owned. Then you each owned one more than I've owned. I know. I was in for a time. What? I was in what? on them. I was in on Nickelback. I can't throw stones at anybody. Oh no, you so- were in
1: on. I drew the line at Nickelback. No, I think you? I, I, I owned Crank Crank it. I may have owned two Nickelback albums get ready after every vikings win for this to be blasting no. in the us bank stadium locker room no. journalist judd is going to have to put earmuffs on as he walks no, into the locker room not this <laughs> honestly no uh, but you got there's got to be bands that when that when you were a kid this and dave and i it sounds like we're both admitting and i, I still have a lot of guilty pleasure bands but well yeah no, I, I, in, I do too i walked into creed late 90s and for a little while it was like yeah, what is this? Yeah, this is this is new. Oh, this is great, right? They were playing
3: all the time on the hard rock station. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember mean, that. They and were just... all
1: over the airwaves. Yes, and then somewhere along the line, you kind of snap out of it. Because I, like,
0: I still like Yacht Rock a lot.
1: And, Listen, don't confuse the and smooth I'm vocals a, of and I'm Michael McDonald. No, no,
0: and I'm a Monkees fan, and a lot of people the think they
1: Look at the shirt I'm wearing today. Yeah, Big Mac. The Big Mac, Michael and McDonald's I got no shirt. problem
0: with that. Mm-hmm. But that late '90s, I'm gonna gargle with nails and sing. Sound to me is not a good sound. I never liked it. How much
1: substance is there with Kirk Cousins? Because he, because, because, <laughs> on one end, you could I think you can make a case for both. You can make a case for well, this guy's you know, got this guy's got a brain coach. This guy, this guy is sort of diet Tom Brady in terms of his preparation. Uh, he's he's bet on himself and his He's made some savvy financial moves and some savvy contract moves. But then you hear that his favorite band is Creed. And, uh, well, and he's like, put he's putting rocks in a tube, right. counting down the days. I think this he's is dead. a question
0: for the for really white teeth, the entire room. Dave, let's start with you. Substance of Kirk
3: Cousins, what do you think? I think he's all in. I don't think it's an act. If that's what you're asking, I th- I think this is who he is. I think you either buy it or you or you don't. You you like it or you don't. But I I mean. I, it's kinda of like PJ Fleck. You know, people like Patrick, you know, at least at one point in time thought, Well, it's gotta be an act, he's gotta be, you know, this guy in front of the camera and you know, behind behind the scenes he's just like you and me. I, I think that's just yeah. who he is, and that's that's fine. I'm a. I don't know. I really. He's a, a Creed loving, rock toting, <laughs> mystery meat grilling son of a gun. Who thing. hopefully will lead this squad okay, to a Super Bowl. The Creed thing bothers me. I need to go back to
1: Creed for a second. Okay. Okay. So many Creed ahead. questions. You in have my mind. to play more. Can you play the play Higher in the background? Back to Higher second, again. Because okay. I have a question about Higher. Higher was Higher was one of the most popular songs in the country for like six months. Right? Crushed. Higher yes. was Higher put Creed on another level. Okay. So is it safe to say that as much as we are ashamed to admit it, especially me and Dave, we've heard the song Higher hundreds of times in our lives, right? hmm it, it played on every radio station. It played on pop stations, rock stations. Scott Stapp is one of the hardest guys to figure out what he sang in his lyrics. I can't figure out what the guy's singing. I can t- Can you take me higher is easy. So, I'd right, stop the song for a second. You've heard this song hundreds of times. Can you tell me what the first two lines of the song are? Can I hear it again? Okay. I can't think of it yeah, in okay. my head right now. Yeah, go now. ahead. Yeah. You get the first two words should read. Wait, wait for
3: it. I have a feeling I'm gonna fail. Like, tell this.
1: me. Try and like decipher what he's saying. Just repeat it back. I've got the lyrics in front of me. When dreaming, when dreaming, I'm okay. dreaming. What's that second part? I got it. What's the second part?
3: I got nothing. Got it to
1: a longer (laughs) wall. You can clearly hear it. Got it to a longer wall. What is it? Try Go ahead. Take a guess, Dave. I've got the lyrics. When dreaming, I (laughs) got into... (laughs)
3: uh,
1: I have no idea. A water world?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Was he watching Kevin Costner movies? I'm guided to another world. Okay, well, when you say it, I can hear it, but I no, know. I didn't hear it at the time. Can we keep going? Go ahead. Time and time again. Okay. Time and time again. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. At
2: right. sore eyes. At
3: As sore eyes? <laughs> at sunrise. <laughs> at sunrise. No, at sunrise. that wasn't sunrise. Yeah, at sunrise. At sun- that was sore No, I could hear it clearly. I need
1: some visine <laughs> to Clear. get the red out. There's another part later in the song, and we don't have to keep playing it because Thank God. we just don't have to, okay? Although I... That that next verse, mm-hmm. and then it just gets jumbled. Apparently, it's although I would like our world to change, it helps me to appreciate those nights and those dreams. And I don't think having heard that song right. five hundred times on the radio, that I would I, have any idea what he said. I think I know that one. I think I would have oh that. But
3: that's that not part. sunrise. I'm sorry.
1: All right. No, that's sore eyes. That is sore Here's eyes. the question
3: then. <laughs> Here's I the question. I left my
1: contacts in too long. That's the best part. Maybe when you listen to Creed, you can kind of make up whatever you want. You don't know what he's singing. He he doesn't know what he's saying. What's singing? more difficult,
0: what the guy from Creed is trying to sing or R.E.M.'s Murmur, which that album, you have no clue what they're saying. And it's a great album. I love it. But you have, there, there's a song R.E.M. did on a uh, EP that came out around the same time called Gardening at Night. It's a fantastic song. No clue what anyone is saying. Yeah. Like, it's like. And you, and you like do the lyrics along, but you don't you know, know. Steely, so like, yeah, Steely yeah.
1: Dan can be that way a little bit, too, where you're trying to figure out, like, okay, that lyric doesn't make sense, but it might make sense if you're Steely, if you're Steely Dan, if you're Donald Faggot.
0: Kirk Cousins, to me, back to him for a second, I almost feel right now like he's playing, and he's good, but I almost feel like he's playing the role of what he thinks a quarterback should be.
1: Like this, he's like ma- mass audience guy. He's he's like if if you were to cast a
0: quarterback, if you were to cast a TV show and say, okay, you're the quarterback. Kirk Cousins is playing that role. The smile, the great teeth. The, really the, the meat that is you can't distinguish what the hell the meat is. Yeah.
1: Generic Kirk Cousins. We need, om- we, yeah. we need to start a new account. Generic it's, Kirk Cousins. It's almost
0: like he's just playing a role of you are the quarterback of, of the Vikings. How do you perceive that?
1: Generic uh, meat generic meat. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's my take on him right now.
1: Uh noted Creed lover Dan Hayes will join us next to speculate <laughs> you on You like train.
2: that. You like
1: that. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. I swear
2: it will be done. I swear it will be done. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, with the man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. Machado to his left gets the out one down. Paez flips it into right. Rookie Betts has out
1: number two.
2: And he shoots one into center here. Back on the track and into the glove of Mike Trout.
1: That was the uh, fifth inning for Jose Barrios last night. Hey, 10 home runs allowed in total last night. And Jose Barrios didn't give up any of them. I think that's a win right there, but uh, he pitched a good inning. Dan Hayes from the Athletic. He does a wonderful job covering the Twins, and uh, we can speculate on various trade possibilities here. But let's start with Jose Barrios. It looked like, not that this is shocking, but it looked like he belonged at least uh, when he pitched in that fifth inning against some of the best hitters and players in the world. Would you agree?
4: Absolutely, and and you're right. Uh, it's a win anytime your guy doesn't end up on the bad side of things. And in those, um, you think back to. Uh, the Bo- I grew up a Giants fan, and Bo Jackson, Homer, and off Rick Rush in the 89 All-Star game. And before I was really a aware Giants fan, I know Atley Hamaker gave up a <laughs> grand slam at the, uh, I think it was the Metrodome way No,
0: back. Comiskey and, to Freddie oh, Lynn.
4: Comiskey, Comiskey. Yes. Okay, there you go. But, I mean, you know, we're you just never want your guy on the downside of those things. And uh, Barrios, not only, I, I thought maybe the last ball he gave up was headed out, but uh, it didn't. It's a nice big park, and, yeah, anytime you can get through and, and, and show that you belong on that big stage. I mean, we knew he was headed there, and he's shown a lot of signs of it this year. Uh, his last couple outings have been a little dicey here and there and and not some of his best stuff. So for him to have a good inning there was a great thing.
0: Rick Russell, Dan Hayes. Let's talk <laughs> about him for a second. Phil, go- Daddy. <laughs> Google his picture. Rick Russell is my hero because you talk about a guy who who looks like he shouldn't have been good at baseball and was fat. He not only could pitch, he could hit too. Rick Russell was yeah. a pretty wow. good player. Well, he look he, looks... he,
4: could, he could bounce off the mound and feel this position. Yes, but <laughs> Get this, well, look at he's looking him <laughs> like a professional bowler.
0: <laughs> if you're at home, Google that this guy's picture
1: and then I like I like the Hitler mustache that he's rocking here too. That's interesting. Pitch for the Cubs too. Jeez, the glasses. Yep. Cubs and Giants. Um, yeah. How about that look there? Um,
4: big, big cigarette smoker. Yeah, all the yeah, <laughs> everything that a growing athlete needs to, to be.
1: Those are the days, man. He was the hero. Dan were, Hayes, though. Mark, was Mark, who are some of the last great cigarette smoking baseball players? Mark Grace used to rip heaters in the clubhouse. That yeah, I, you know what? I mean, <laughs> Yoshi Nishioka did, but I said great in the same sentence, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
4: hey, hey, I just love the uh, Jim Leland ashtray that was in the dugout Oh every my day, so. gosh.
0: There, there was a catcher for the Brewers and Cardinals, Ted Simmons, used to smoke, and I remember in the, I want to say it was the 82 World Series, and I forget which team he, he was with it at the time, though, but they, they were panning the dugout, and he's just smoking a, a, up a storm, and the guy caught, too. So you're like, this yes. guy's an, an athlete? He's
4: one of the great, you, you talk about Googling, he's one of the great omissions from the Hall of Fame. Uh, right? 2,500 hits, and not in the Hall of Fame. He was, a, he was a Padre bench coach when I was in San Diego, but... Eight nine years ago, and I didn't know how good he was until I looked up the stats. And man, I you know, there's all this debate about Yadier Molina and whether he's a Hall of Fame catcher or not right now. And you know, I think we should turn our attention back to the fact that Ted Simmons played that great and played on a bunch of great teams, and he never got in. It's crazy. Yeah. So hey, what on
1: Barrios? Back to Barrios for a second here. Uh when when we hear these stories from the outside looking in about his work ethic and his makeup and things of that nature can you shine some light on that what are some things you've heard or seen about him and his preparation
4: well you never he always seems to have a purpose aside from maybe phone calls with his family i've never seen him in the uh clubhouse where he just didn't look like he was getting something done getting prepared and and you hear that a lot too about how the focus is there in between starts on what he has to do to, to get better that day. And it, it you know, obviously the beach workouts in the off season with pushing the truck, um, give you a little bit of an idea of just how dedicated he is. But I mean, you can see it just as in, in his form. I mean, the guy, the guy clearly works out to, to keep himself in the top shape. Um, you see it just talking to Garvin Alston and, and to the catchers about how prepared he is and what he wants to accomplish and and the fact that also I I love that he's open to um being not just a thrower but a pitcher and and the conversations with him about that I mean there's so many good signs for a guy that's 23 24 that can throw as hard as he is but also is already thinking about you know the future of things and and understands that it's not always going to be there so I mean it's been a real fun kind of storyline to follow this year, because obviously we saw how great he could be in the first half of last year, and then he struggled a little bit in the second half. Um, just, you know, I mean, it's the the first full season catches up with you. And and it's going to be really interesting to see how he kind of learned from that last year, and holds up for the second half this year. And I think that has a lot to do with the the physical preparation and, and making sure. I mean, I, I don't know that he could be... Uh, I don't know that he could get to the point where he uh, ever got Big as far as fat, but um, it's clear that he has gotten to the point where he's trying to strengthen his way through and, and be, you know, stronger throughout the season and endure the the second half of last year. Um, and and it'll be kind of fun to watch what he does this way the rest of the way here. And, and I also expect that they'll give him a few extra days here. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not in that opening series in in KC. The, the six days or whatever, maybe he pitches Monday in Toronto. They haven't announced that far, but that's a good thing for him, for any young arm, just to give him an extra day or two as kind of a, a breather.
0: Hey Dan, as a, the trades start to fall into place here, what what's your expectation for the next uh, 10 to 12 days as far as the Twins go and, and Dozier? Because if Machado goes to the Dodgers, I, I think that's going to start to bring some clarity to, to the market. And if you're the Brewers, you obviously didn't get him. Uh, so what's your expectation for Escobar and Dozier as far as the potential trades go and where they might end up?
4: I, I mean, it wouldn't stun me if they were traded. Um, I, obviously, the Twins bought themselves a little bit of time, but those were a bunch of bad teams they beat up on. Obviously, the Rays were above 500 and, and a better team than that, and their pitching staff is, is pretty good, um, the group that the, the Twins faced. in. Minneapolis was no joke, but at the same time, um, they just they haven't shown you consistency enough. Now, you know they come out against the Royals. If they sweep the Royals, then they're three games under five hundred. It makes it all the more confusing. And and the Twins are lucky they have two of the better guys on the market in Dozier and, and Escobar, and could probably hold out a little bit longer and get closer to that deadline. Um, especially the way Dozier's played, he's definitely. Shown some signs that his stock has come back up. I I can't think that the the four days is going to be extremely helpful for him just to have four days off mentally and physically. We've seen it where he looks a little bit slow this year. His speed has been down. You have to think he's been banged up. Although he won't really, he'll he'll hint at things, but he won't acknowledge it. Um, and and as far as you know, mentally, I mean, this has just had to have been a beast of a season for him knowing that he couldn't get the contract he wanted, that he's headed to free agency, and, and just dealing with the losing. I mean, it, you know, you could tell he was excited about having a couple of days off to go to Louisiana and go fishing and just relax. And and so he's going to be uh, interesting because that that, cha- that trade value probably has increased a little bit here. Um, and, and unless Scooter Gannett gets traded, and I don't know that that's going to happen, um, Dozier's the best guy out there. And, and even then, you know, Dozier's the more complete guy out of the two of them. It's just that Gannett has the better bat right now. Um, but you would think those are, those moves are coming. I mean, it's always that first big block that it takes to, to move. And Machado clearly is that. And obviously that's, that's close to being done. So then those teams move on. And Philadelphia would be an interesting spot for Escobar. Um, you know, he can move around a little bit. He can play shortstop. They need that. They're really a very good, interesting team at this point, and and obviously, I you know we've seen his name attached to them in a few rumors, so it's going to be kind of uh, what what the Twins do might dictate. Getting a few more days, but at the same time, I would think by July thirty one, both guys have been traded.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I think the, the secondary question off of this too is because they're both free agents, and it would seem that Escobar, because he's a little bit younger and can play multiple positions, that he'd be. And I, it seems like Dozier has a bit of a bitter feeling toward the organization that Escobar would be the most likely to re-sign with the Twins in the off-season, even if you went to some other team for two or three months. Uh, do you see that as a possibility? Or have the twins in this new front office kind of shown that, man, if it's a multi-year contract for a guy who's 30 years old or older, that they just shy away from that. What are your thoughts on, on Escobar specifically?
4: I think Escobar could because of the value he brings inside too. And the, um, have glove, will travel kind of mentality, you know, just put him wherever and, and he's going to fill in for you. Um, and he's done such a great job and, Look, when since he's become an everyday player, essentially, when Miguel Sano went down last year, he's been a, a great player. I mean, you're talking about a guy that probably is a 20 to 25 homer guy um, and and 40 doubles. And whoever thought that was the case with him? Um, you know, I mean, he was a utility infielder and was acquired. I don't think the White Sox would have given him up if they'd known that this is what they were going to be giving up. Um, you know. F- I think all that stuff matters to a point for sure. Escobar is so beloved in that clubhouse. So I I would think there's a stronger possibility that he returns, but at the same time, who knows what Brian Dozier is going to find on the free agent market when he's out there, because he's not free agent one. He's not free agent number two. He's probably about three, four, five, somewhere. I I, I haven't even looked at the whole class to to see what it is, but he's clearly not the best guy. And there's going to be a lot of money given out to the top couple guys, but, Beyond that, who knows what the market's like? Um, we've seen it this year, and and he will be. Is he thirty one now? He's he's either thirty or you know he's just not gonna get that big, huge payday. Mm-hmm. And maybe the Twins and him can come to some agreement, you know, where they're gonna they're gonna pay what they think is fair. And and we've seen that. Um, and you never know that that doesn't match up with with Dozier's market next year, and and he doesn't return.
0: Should there, there be concern in your mind that uh Sanoa has left Class A to go home for a family, something that, that he needs to take care of? I saw that story today, and it sounds like he's not going to be gone for long. All of that being said, you know, it sounded like he went down there, he scuffled at first, things started to come together. He definitely sounds like he's gotten himself into better shape. So the fact that he's now gone home, does that raise a bit of a red flag in your mind or not, Dan?
4: No, the only reason why was there was some talk that this week he was going to get an all-star break of his own. You know, yeah. they, Byron Buxton decided to work um, through his and obviously had the three days and got hurt there. Um, but Sano but was – they were planning to give him a couple days off because it naturally would have come along with the schedule anyways. Everything I've heard is that the work has been beyond uh, what they've, they've hoped for out of him. So, I you know, stuff arises with guys – I I thought he was going to get some time off. Um it it doesn't surprise me as long as it's a, limited to a few days. I don't think it's a big deal, but it's also something that obviously occurred while we're gone and so we haven't had, you know, everybody's kind of gone. It's it's like in that scene in Armageddon where everybody spreads the uh the far sides of the earth and and nobody <laughs> can be found for a few days. Wow. That's uh that's what the, the All-Star break is like. Um <laughs>
1: and I've been I love the Armageddon, Armageddon reference right there. <laughs> One of the great late 90s action movies. Just a classic. Steven Tyler's daughter. Is that Bruce Willis in that movie, too? Yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. yeah. I think Ben Affleck's in there or something. Summer blockbuster, My baby. God. <laughs> that's uh That's something. Um, Dan Hayes. Oh, one more question for you on Byron Buxton. Sure. I had our guy Jake DePew, who uh, who covers Twins minor Leagues for 1500ESPN.com. We were texting earlier today. And his math checks out that Byron Buxton needs 13 days of Major League service time to get to the next year of service time, which would get him to arbitration. Um, is that, do you think that's a thing right now that while well, he's struggling in the minors and he hasn't proven it, would they hold him out for the rest of the year, essentially to save a couple million dollars, two, $3 million and push the arbitration?
4: Well, that's a great question. Um, the, the one part I wonder is how much is he, I, if he had blown you away the last couple of years, I could see that being a problem. I don't know that, his case has got you know his defense has been great and but his his offensive numbers haven't been all that great with the exception uh, exception of those three months last year, so i mean it's possible but I, I think that they know they're better off with him and and the relationship is important, so I don't think they would hold him out necessarily i I would think it would take him being extraordinarily bad in the minors to keep him down there and not bring him back i, I that'd be a huge statement and if Probably a misstep if that's your your future center fielder. They'll just send him home at the end of August and not bring him up on September one. Um, I, you know, the timeline of when he's coming back obviously is is still a question mark because he hasn't. You know, he's hurt now and he hadn't hit before that. Um, he was showing a few signs here or there, but. Man, I I couldn't even imagine uh, that world where they don't bring him up on September 1. I think that would be probably damaging to the future relationship to do that. So, you know, as much as saving a few million dollars would be a a, a great thing for the the books, I don't know that that would be great for future Twins teams to, to leave your your center fielder, your starting center fielder at home. Yeah, that's a fair
1: point. All right, good stuff, Dan. Thanks, we'll see Dan. you next week, man. All right, guys. Dan Hayes from see The ya. Athletic. You can read his twin stuff, theathletic.com slash twin slash MLB, pretty easy to find. Rick Russell, man. Rick Rushel, just a specimen. When men were men, Smoking baseball players fat in the eighties. <laughs> He's got a little Rod Beck look to him too, like short hair, mustached yes, Rod Beck or something. Yes, he did. Although Rod Beck, the Rod Beck, it wasn't a beard, it was a mustache. He had the mustache yeah, and the long big hair, big mustache. Yeah. Oh, glorious! Bill Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You go low, I'll go high. Mackey and Judd
2: on fifteen hundred ESPN.
3: If you think you
2: know who's going to win the Open,
3: it's time to prove it. You do that by signing up for fifteen hundred ESPNs majors fantasy golf challenge if you've already signed up and played in the earlier tournaments well log in again and make those picks select your players from the featured groups watch the field unfold if you choose correctly you could win a golf trip for four to craigan's resort make your picks before 6 55 a.m tomorrow that's 6 55 tomorrow morning you have to have those picks in so get it done today head to 1500 espn.com sign up make the picks and in fact just do it right now Yes, go pick.
1: See if can beat Judd, Noted I golf am major expert. On fire so far in these majors. Even par. It's a pretty good score. Mm-hmm. I got something for you here. Twins related. I've been thinking about once the trade deadline stuff. Once once they trade away Dozier Escobar, um, I think both guys are gone.
0: Yeah, and I, don't, I and I
1: don't think either one comes back. I think there's a better chance Escobar comes back at the end of the year. Yep but zero chance in my mind that Dozier comes back. Yep. He seems vindictive enough to take less money to play somewhere else I just think, to stick it to the Twins for not giving him a long-term contract I think he's extension.
0: Very, I think he's very hurt that he didn't get approached uh, last winter and get talked to about a contract extension. And
1: he'll probably hold that. Oh, He'll most definitely, definitely hold that, yeah, right? he's not coming back. So um, with that said, going into 2019, depending on what they would get, it's possible that they would get a double-A third baseman or something, but based on what they have right now, And assuming that Escobar and Dozier both get traded, and I'm not counting pitchers here, just the position players, I think there are four spots up for grabs for the 2019 lineup. Um, And I'm putting Miguel Sano at first base. Mm -hmm. So maybe you put him at third base and then first base is open. Unless Joe Maurer comes back, but he's he's a free agent. So either first or third base is open. I'm putting Miguel Sano at first base because I'm guessing I they want something less than 280 pounds at third base. I think that's the prudent move, yes. Nick Gordon at second base, and he'll be up at some point in the second half of the season. September call-up at latest, and maybe even sometime earlier than that. Polanco at short. Jorge Polanco at short with Royce Lewis waiting, and Royce Lewis just carved up Cedar Rapids, and now he's working on Fort Myers, so he, he might be a late 2019 guy, but Jorge Polanco will start the season at shortstop. Mm-hmm. Catcher, open. Open for business. Center field is open for business, but I'm going to pencil in Byron Buxton, mm-hmm. and if not him, maybe maybe a Jake Cave. Uh, left field, Eddie Rosario, no brainer. He's one of the, one of the better outfielders in baseball this year. And then I have DH wide open, and I have right field as an open spot right now. This is the most interesting one to me because Max Kepler is he's in his mid 20s, he's 25 years old, he's shown a lot of promise, but ultimately his production offensively is he's a good defensive right fielder, but his production offensively at an offensive position, has been very underwhelming the last couple of years. Yep. Uh, so I'm not kicking him off the team. I'm not I'm not dumping him off the roster, but I'm opening up right field going into next year between him, yep. Jake Cave. If, if Buxton's in center, then Jake Cave can be in that mix. Brent Rooker was awful at the beginning of the year for A, and he has since ramped up the power. Uh, the batting average is on the rise. He was your sandwich-round pick from the SEC last year. So he could be a guy that's in the major league mix for next year. And he's not a kid, right? No. Uh, Brent Rooker is like 23. Right. so and He's going to be 24 years old sometime So soon, he should so. be
0: fast-tracked at some point.
1: Yep. And so they're just waiting for him to, to sort of prove it. Alex Kirloff is maybe more of a late-next-year kind of a guy, but I think they've got three, maybe four positions open just with the starting lineup. Forget about pitching and pitching rotation and closer once Fernando Rodney is, is traded away. Right
0: so your pot but and your your dream now is still uh, t- to go to Machado's people and offer him a ten year contract correct
1: yes, but I understand that that's almost certainly never going to happen so if that if Machado that... ain't gonna come to the twins but I would have I would definitely I would offer him as much as is feasible
0: I think your your sino proposition's correct and this is where and this is why the Maurer thing is going to get very intriguing to me. Because unless Joe comes back completely on your terms, and I don't even know if i do it then. If Joe had played the entire year and and hadn't got hurt and hadn't had a reoccurrence almost certainly of the concussion problems, we discussed this. I would have been open at that time to bringing him back on a short-term contract. Now I question that. And here's where it gets really dicey and interesting to me. I don't think the Twins Baseball administration people are going to say... Joe's played his entire career here. We've got to bring Joe back. I think they'll be sensitive to that, but I think they're definitely going to go to the poll ads with a decision of let's do it or let's not. And so now my question is this, is this something like with Paul a couple of years back where Jim Pollard says, okay, that's fine. It's up to you. Or does he say, as he did with Paul, no, I want Joe back here.
1: It wouldn't be the end of the world. If you brought Joe back for $5 million, and he didn't play every day. If if Joe played three days a week, you know, and it, it's not like you got a bunch of dudes pounding on the door at DH and first base right now. So maybe Sano could go back and forth a little between first base and third base. And Joe's back on a $5 million deal. So he's almost $20 million less than he has made the That'll last seven or eight years. Bad. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. Now, long-term, I think it's important to to make sure that first base, DH, Right field. I think those are positions of flexibility, uh-huh. where you look at some of the best teams in baseball. Cody Bellinger can play outfield and first base. Chris Bryant can play third base and left field, and some first base over here. And so to keep to keep those options open, where oh, you know what, Brent Rooker, we don't really have a spot in the outfield right now, but you're you're going to play first base sometimes, right? And like Joe Mauer is a first baseman. The Twins have had an issue for a long time with this guy plays this position and, and nothing else. Yeah, and there's not. And a, of a lot there. of the best teams in baseball are are multi. Positional. Definitely. Should we get Doogie in here next? Let's do it. Let's get a little scoops. A little midweek scoop session with our friend Doogie, Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Coffee break. Better hurry if we want to get a seat. On
2: 1500 ESPN.